Awesome. Good morning, Oikos Church. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, if you didn't know, I am a pastor here. I know I haven't been up here for a while. Let's give thanks to God for the incredible speakers that we've had over the past four weeks as we've gone through 1 Corinthians. Just give thanks for them. So we are kind of closing 1 Corinthians as we get into what it means to be set apart. And over the past several weeks, you've heard the different speakers just talk about what the Corinthian church was going through. And as I thought about it, I was thinking, man, there would not really be a pastor that would just jump at the opportunity to be the pastor at Corneth. I mean, the pastor at Corneth would be that person that would have to step in and know that they're stepping into a sex scandal right away. That some guy is wanting to have sex with his stepmother and uh, yay, right? Your first thing is, ooh, yuck. And your second thing is, you've got to be kidding me. And guess what? Paul goes, hey, Timothy, you get to be the pastor. Why don't you come and join me in Corinth, and now I'll turn it over to you. And then I'm going to write letters. That's my job. So when you think about this thing in Corinthians, not only was there this sex scandal, but there were also Corinthians in this church. So, and we would probably guess that within the church of Corinth, there may have been around 70 or so people gathering in a very large home. And as they would gather in this group of 70, there were individuals that were taking each other to court, suing each other. So just take a look around and go, that person right there might be my person that would take me out to the public square, because that's where they held court, and sue me. They were seeing division all over the place within their own small body. There were also problems with marriages. Paul had to instruct them that it's not good to be taking other wives. It's not good to be unfaithful to one another. Division was happening in families. Kids were growing up with a dad that was no longer there. In fact, we could see that that is very common to our own day. There were a mix of different cultures as well. We know that Greek was predominant, but within that, as people were moving more towards Latin, there was different languages being spoken. And then you've got the whole Jewish sector of new Christians, and they love the language of Hebrew. They saw it as one of the most holy languages ever developed. I just, when I think about Timothy walking into this, what a job. And he wasn't an aged man who walked into this, but he was a young guy. And not only that, but then Paul goes, and by the way, um, we're going to get you circumcised. Just so that you don't have more division. Yay, right? Who wants that job? Anybody? No takers. You wouldn't want to take that? Well, in, I think about division. 
I think it's something that we actually see quite a bit in our own society. So where have you seen division lately? Have any of you seen some division occur in your life or in lives around you lately? You're saying, yeah. You're seeing it, right? So certainly one area, wait for it, politics, right? So should Comey have been fired or should he not have been fired? That's the question. I don't want your opinion. But you can imagine that if we began that discussion, there would be some on one side and others on the other side. There may even be some disagreements. There may even be so much anger that someone would walk out. Race. It continues to divide us, right? In fact, I saw it just at, at all places, a track meet. So Zach was in a track meet, and he was in the minority. So kind of flip-flop, right? He was in the minority, and it was going fine, right? Track meet was going. He goes to use the bathroom, and then I didn't hear this. So this is secondhand, so you can take it for what it's worth. I didn't hear this, but Zach told another parent that I just... I don't know if I like track meets because people are so mean. And he said, I got flipped off and I was told I was ugly because I was different. Now, it doesn't have to be race, right? Let's go to the other R and it can be religion. And we can see that whether you're a Christian in a situation where no one else is acting like Jesus or maybe your Christians looking at someone else and saying, you don't have a place here. Division. Economics. When is the last time you drove into a place and you were like, I don't feel like I fit the social economic thing here. Either you have too much that's all of you, right? You have too much. <laughs> Stop. You have too much. Or maybe you've walked into a situation where you're like, wow. And I use the word hoity-toity. I don't know if you use that word. But that's my first word that comes to me when I walk into a situation. I go, ooh, this is a little hoity-toity from a little guy from Nebraska. We didn't do this stuff. I better make sure I use the right fork. Right? And you're like, what? What are you talking about? When you get into those situations, oftentimes, maybe you feel like, I missed out on something. And there's a, a different class. And maybe you're not included. There's division, again. Education. Have you guys talked to teachers lately? Have you ever gone into a school and seeing all the teachers united with the administration. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's like one team. Rarely. Or education levels, right? Some have all these degrees and others have no degrees. And you walk in and maybe you're one with no degrees. 
but you're supposed to be supervising those with a whole bunch of degrees. Or maybe they're supervising you, but in reality, you really are supervising them. Division. In the Corinthians church, it went beyond even these things. Now, all these things were present in the Corinthian church. All of them. In fact, one guy, Erastus, they believe, was a guy who was a high politician within the Corinthian province, but he's a part of the church. And so this is one of the reasons why they think they know about these, these times of people within the church suing one another, because he may have presided over some of them. And so they had all different levels. They had all different races, all different languages. They had every normal cause for division. But they also took the things that we would say are gifts from God. Which all of these are gifts, but these particular are spiritual gifts. And they cause division with them as well. Let's take a look at Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 1. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying so the whole church will be strengthened. So speaking in tongues, just a couple things here, because sometimes I think we look at this so mysteriously that it seems like it's out of many of our, our own reach or comprehension. But one of the things that was going on in the church, and I alluded to this earlier, is that they used Latin, they used Greek mostly, but there were a group of Jews who really loved Hebrew. And they saw Hebrew as a language of the gods, specifically Yahweh. So it was a beautiful, angelic language that they used. But if you spoke Greek, it sounded like nothing, right? Now, if you've ever experienced a language where you don't know what the language is speaking in, I think we can kind of identify that. If you go into a major center here in Houston, whether there's shopping going on or there's business going on, you can stand there, and if you are observant, you will realize that there are languages being spoken that you have no clue what's being spoken. You may know two or three of those languages. How many of you know more than one language? How many of you know more than three languages? It is a culprit here in the United States, isn't it? How many of you know, well, I guess I don't need to ask because we stopped at three. But you may have known more languages then, but because there were so many groups coming in, if you didn't know Hebrew, and where would you learn Hebrew as a Greek? 
Well, you learn Hebrew in Israel, but they're in Cornish. A mysterious language. Now, some scholars would say that this actually is the speaking of tongues, that God grants some of us the ability to learn not more than one language, not two, not three, but maybe a linguist, who knows, five, six, seven. Now, the reason why that's edifying between you and the Spirit, if you know that language but no one else does, obviously because you're speaking with the Heavenly Father. But if I went and started speaking Hebrew, I don't think many of you know Hebrew. Honestly, I couldn't speak it anyways. But if I did, you wouldn't know if I was saying the right thing or the wrong thing. But in my mind with my father, I would know what I'm speaking. But if someone was here to interpret it, and what I was saying with, between the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit was speaking through me, then it'd be edifying. So I'm not saying, now be clear, there's a, because I kind of just like sliced into speaking in tongues and said, there's a real logical answer for what was going on. And I think in the Corinthian church, it probably was this, Greek and Hebrew. But there's other elements too where I do believe there is a spiritual moving of the spirit in someone who speaks in tongues. And maybe it's a language that's unknown to anyone. Perhaps it is only known to the spirit. And that there are people who are able to hear that language and interpret now, personally, I have not been able to witness it, but I've, I've heard and heard testimonies of people that have. So I'm not discounting that, but I want us to also think it's not only that, because the Lord works in many ways. And in this particular spot in Scripture, I really do believe they knew a language that the others didn't. And it was causing division because a certain amount of them Namely, the Jews were coming in saying, if you don't speak Hebrew, too bad for you. Because that's the language between us and our God. Imagine how disruptive that would be. Imagine if I said, it's just too bad if you don't speak Korean. I know Korean, and you don't know Korean. So, too bad for you guys. Or if we had someone come up and say, I want to do a prayer, and they did it in another language, we could listen. But wouldn't it be much more beneficial if it actually was interpreted? And then how beneficial is it for a church if we do, at times, use a language because we identify a group of people coming in, and they don't speak English? And so we do our best to welcome them by speaking the language they know. Speaking in tongues does not have to be totally mysterious. Because God works in both ways, the very practical and the very mysterious. And so as a church, we have to identify what is dividing and causing division. In the Corinthian church, this was definitely one of them. Verse 26 well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, 
One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after another, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all meetings of God's holy people. So let's look at the word prophesy. Because I think sometimes we look at this word, and again, we see it as something that is, I don't do that. I could never speak in tongues. I could never prophesy. But I'll tell you what I'm doing right now is prophesying. If you've ever been to our morning devotions, what we do there is actually very similar to this order. Someone will bring a song. Someone will give a word. Someone will interpret that word. Some will all affirm what was been said and say that's a good thing. We are prophesying at Target, at Starbucks at 8.15, Monday, and Thursday, Monday through Thursday. Fridays, we just don't do it. No, I mean Monday through Thursday. We are prophesying as a group together. You can do this in your home. Imagine that. Can you imagine that you have prophetic word given to you simply because you read the word of God in your family? Can you imagine our children who are over at CNK right now are prophesying? Amen? Because they hear the word of the Lord and they say something out. So often we hear prophetic truth from those who are not learned or who are young, because instead of trying to impress the crowd, they're just trying to listen to their father. And they speak. That's what prophecy is. It is a message from the father to his children. It's not about telling the future. So if you ever looked at prophecy and said, well, there's, I, I don't think I've ever predicted an event, it is about the truth of the Father coming to his people. It's about being a messenger of God. In fact, when I prepared this message, there were words that came to me. One was peace. Another one was division. And then the Lord gave me John chapter 17. So I, I looked at division then I started looking at peace, and then I looked at John chapter 17. And I said, oh, there's my message. And it was just like that. So I'm ready for Sunday. And that message off to Ian on Thursday was like, amazing. It's not Saturday night. It is done. It's in the comp. It's ready to go. Prophecy, 
Now, there is an element, right, that I, again, just kind of said, it's very practical. Because it is. But it's very mysterious. It doesn't mean that you have to know the Bible, every word of the Bible to prophesy. But let me tell you, the more you learn about the Bible, I do believe the Lord prophesies more through you because you use his words. The more words you learn from the Father, the more words you can message from him. The more he'll use you. But that doesn't mean that someone who doesn't know the Bible well, that the Lord through his spirit cannot mysteriously put upon a message that they speak and maybe they've only read the Bible or never have. But the Lord speaks to them. And they speak as his messenger. When I thought about the word division, I was really thinking about the families that we interact with on a daily basis. And I saw a family that was divided this week. And I saw a lot hurt. I saw people who wanted to love but weren't sure how. I saw people who didn't really want to love and didn't care. And they were all at an event that was supposed to testify about love for one another. It happens in our everyday. Division creeps in, and the reason why it does is because Satan wants to divide. He wants to divide us so that he can conquer us. But we invite it. Division happens because often there's little empathy for what people have done, will do, or are doing. That instead of pulling back and saying, what would cause this person to do this? What hurt came in their life that would make them choose this decision? We often take a step backwards. Instead of forward to listen and observe them, we take a step backward and want to judge them. We go, how stupid is that? And I'm speaking, I am, I am trying to grow an empathetic heart. I do not have empathy on some situations. I, my first reaction is, well, how stupid was that? And those of you who know me know that sometimes it comes out audibly, and sometimes it's on my face. Like, seriously? What were you thinking? Empathy is something, though, I do believe the Spirit wants us to develop. That even if you do that, you step into His grace and you say, you know what? Instead of stepping back and further back from this relationship and going, man, you're stupid. There's no way I'm spending time with you. That you step even closer and say, how can I be your friend? How can I step in this right now with you? And instead of judging what you've done or what you most likely will do or what you are doing, how can I step in this with you and be prophetic? Speak God's words to you. 
Division happens because there's little effort in seeking understanding. There's little listening, right? And there's a lot more talking. I think division happens because people are more concerned about proving their own point than understanding the other person's point. Division happens because we don't talk together. We don't seek one another to talk to one another. Instead, we talk about each other. Have you ever seen that? So let's go back to the school example. I've seen that with teachers so many times. Not only will they be against the administration and be talking, like, how stupid is that? What a horrible decision. Why did they do that? But then they'll talk about each other too. Like, oh, that person is a horrible teacher. Right? And then right outside the room, there's a bunch of parents going, that's a horrible teacher. I hope I don't get her next year. There's no walking to that teacher and saying, how can I walk with you? You don't have to say, because I see you are struggling. So I want to help you. You can just say, I want to help you. I'm, I'm here to help you. And I'm in this with you. Do you hear those words? I'm in this with you because that's what Emmanuel, our father, says. God is with us. And so he doesn't look at what happened yesterday or what's happening today or what will happen tomorrow. He just says, I'm with you. I'm, where, I'm right where your heart is right now. I'm with your heart, whether your heart is turned completely against me or is walking right with me. Division happens because we don't humbly apologize. Instead, we forget to graciously forgive. So we don't want to apologize, and we really don't want to forgive. And where that leaves us is stuck against someone else. Now, any of you experienced some anger this last week where you uh, did not want to humbly apologize? Thank you for being honest. We got a couple in the back. See you right here. And that you did not want to graciously forgive. It's hard, right? It is hard. But let me tell you, it is in the difficult and in the hard that Jesus works miracles. Because you'll find in those times where you do not want to humbly apologize and you do not want to graciously forgive, miracles happen when you do. A relationship that you think is lost can be found. A relationship that is going nowhere can start going somewhere. But we have to take those actions against division. So what's the challenge? The challenge this week, if you lack empathy, anybody lack empathy? I'm raising my hand because someone would force it up if I didn't do it. We pray to Jesus because Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Well, these are the things he wants us to ask for. 
Jesus, give me empathy. So if you lack empathy, say, Jesus, give me empathy. If you lack a listening ear, then you say, Jesus, give me a listening ear. If you lack love, okay, now I'm going to just address something right now. Does Oikos have a lot of kids? Now, do some of you, do you maybe lack patience with the noises the kids make? Say amen if you do. Amen. So, Jesus, give me patience. Because these little ones, though they may not be saying words that we understand, they may be screaming. The Lord wants to use them. The Lord is using them. The Lord loves them. So, anyone lack love? You don't want to admit to this, but come on. So you say, Jesus, give me some love to love one another. Jesus calls us to be one. He says it here in John 17. Let's Look at this together. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they'd be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into this world, I am sending them into this world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am then they will see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. If we want to be a church that others can look at us and say, Jesus is in them, and they have been made one. And I want some of that. Then we have to take our divisions that we have. So whatever we brought into the door today, if we brought something in the door today and we said, you know what, this is the last time I come to this church because that one person sits by me and they annoy the heck out of me. Don't look at your wife. 
You come in this place and you say, what did I tell you? What is the challenge? You go, Lord, I'm asking you for patience or love or understanding or a listening ear or courage to talk to that person because we're made, we are supposed to be one. There shouldn't be divisions. Or maybe you came in and you said, I can't believe they made that decision. Talk to one another. If you cannot talk to one another without disagreement and becoming disagreeable, we have a problem as a church. If you can't, we're going to disagree. We are going to come together and we're going to have a disagreement. Right? Right? In fact, exactly. In fact, I see more disagreements in churches all the time over really petty little things. That we have said, this petty little thing has more space for my heart than the love of Jesus. I know that's hard. That's the law coming down right now. This petty little thing that I'm holding on to right now has more place for my heart than the love of Jesus. So what I want you guys to do is to let that petty little thing be taken out of your heart. And if it's a real thing, it could be a real thing. It could be those little children drive me crazy. Well, then come talk to us. I may be disagreeable. No, I mean, <laughs> we may disagree. But what Jesus is calling us to do is to listen and to understand, to make some compromise, to try to come up with a solution of what it looks like for us to live together so that those who may not know our family yet would see unity and they'd see love. They would see that we operate in forgiveness, in confession, in absolution that we believe that moving forward is more important than looking backward. That's the church I want us to be. In fact, I see that we are. We just forget it sometimes. So if we have something going on right now, it's a time for us to confess. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you that you have made us a family that is full of, of little children that are under five. We give you thanks, Lord, that you have also brought those who are over 75. We thank you that you have filled the gap with everybody else in between. We thank you that you have brought different races here, that we don't all look the same. I thank you, Lord, that we are not all economically the same. We have some people that make a lot of money, and we have some people that don't have a job. Lord, we pray that we would help one another. We would try to understand one another. Lord, we, we ask that you would put the love that we need for each other in our minds and our hearts. And when we step back to judge, remind us that we should first step forward and try to understand. Lord, your word is truth. And that is going to cause division. But may we be on the side of your word 
and not try to make our own side. Hold us fast to it. For we know that wisdom resides in learning your word and having you speak through us. Make us prophets, Lord, for you. Help us to have an understanding of languages for you. Help us to exhibit the gifts that the Spirit gives because we love you and we want to be used for your kingdom. Make us one, Lord, just as Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago, that we are a family and a family sticks together through the thick and the thin. We love one another even when we get upset and we encourage even when we don't feel like we want to. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.